you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Here's our text, verse 5 and 6 this morning. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for Your Word this morning. Thank You, Lord, for the portion You've directed our heart to. Help us as we try to preach today. I pray for this one here among us that is lost. I pray, God, that You would touch their heart. Lord, save them by Your grace. May we see no man save Jesus only. In Jesus' name, Amen. And amen. In these verses this morning, we know that the context is laid out in verse number five to the elders, which is the pastors. He said, the elders which I exhort, which are among you. And the, he gives two jobs that the man of God has. He puts them in two categories. First of all, the man of God is to feed the church. He said in verse number two, feed the flock of God which is among you. Now, I know this is directed towards preachers, but here's how this verse helped me. I heard a man preach out of this verse. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you. You know this, I can't help somebody that ain't here. I can't help somebody that don't show up. I can only feed those. I can only preach to those that are in attendance. And a lot of times, uh, we'll be in church and say, boy, if so-and-so was here, uh, they really got that message. That message was for them. No, if so-and-so had been here, uh, needed that message, they'd have been here. Amen. Apparently, the ones that God wanted to hear that sermon uh, were already in the building. So we better remember that every service we're in, when there's a Bible message uh, that is being preached, God has that sermon are for those in the congregation. And so the man of God is to feed. I am to preach the Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, I am rightly to divide the Word of truth. And then the man of God in verse number 3 is not only to feed the church, but he is to lead the church. Verse number 3, Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. I am to lead by example. It's not do as I say and not as I do, but I am to live an example before you as I follow Christ. And let me say this this morning, if the man of God's job is to feed and lead, and it is, then the job of the church is to receive and to follow. Y'all receive what's being put on the table from the Word of God, and y'all follow the truth and the example, not out of my life, but from the Word of God. And so that is what Paul is talking about in this text. Then beginning in verse number 5, he begins to talk about the subject that I want to preach on this morning. He begins to talk about the subject of humility. That's what I want to preach on this morning. Humility. We don't hear much preaching on that subject anymore. I have some, re- believe, some reasons I believe uh, that is, that, that is uh, some opinions rather that I believe is the reason for that. But notice, notice what Paul, Peter says. Likewise, ye youngers, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. 
For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Now what does this word humility, what does the word humble mean? It means to assign to a lower rank to a base. One writer made this statement. He said, Humility is not demeaning ourselves and thinking poorly of ourselves. It, humility is simply not thinking of ourselves at all. See, we're really good at thinking about ourselves, but real humility is not thinking about ourselves. It's not lifting up ourselves, but it is preferring our brother. It is preferring our sister in this text. Now I want to remind you this morning, humility is very important in this life. For without humility, a sinner will not be saved. A sinner will not get born again until they humble themselves before God. Here's what I mean by that. They've got to realize they are a sinner. The Bible said, for all have sinned and I'm short of the glory of God. That's me. That's you. That's everybody who's ever lived. We are all born sinners. We are sinners because of Adam and Eve in the garden. Wherefore, it's by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death is passed upon all men for all have sin. Uh, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. So, so preacher, I, I, I may not be a perfect person, uh, but I've not done what some people have done. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not done what they hit. Well, here's what James said. If you've broken one of the laws, you're guilty of all the law. So if you've ever broken one of God's commandments, uh, then you are guilty of breaking all of them because we are disobedient against the law of God. But until a sinner is willing to admit that, a lot of people won't get help this morning uh, because they won't admit they have a problem. Uh, they won't admit they're a sinner. They won't admit they're not right with God. God, that's the reason a lot of people will never get the help they need. They'll never get saved because they won't humble themselves. Pride has sent more people to hell than Jack Daniels ever has. I'm against Jack Daniels. I'm against the consumption of alcoholic beverages. But I'm telling you this morning, people's pride sends them to hell all the time. They're worried about what will people say? Oh, what will people think? It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what people think. It matters all about what God knows. Without humility, a saved man won't be right with God. He won't be spirit-filled. I tell you, we have pride and arrogance in our life. We're not going to be right with God. Humility is an important aspect in the Christian life. How many sermons do you hear on humility nowadays? We don't hear much about it, do we? We don't hear much about abasing ourselves. You know what the message of this generation is? You're a good person. You're, you've got potential. You are something great. You are something wonderful. What is that doing? That's building up the ego of man. That's building up the pride of man. But I tell you, old-fashioned preaching says you're a rotten sinner, lost without God, but Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. And He can save your life. That's contrary to the message of the day, though. We better get, we better get back to preaching on humility and humbling ourselves. I almost wrote this down as a joke this morning, but this sermon on humility, I want you all to know I'm proud of it. Some of you are getting that. You're finally waking up a little bit. Hey, man. You always tell the slow one in the church, they laugh last. What I'm saying, though, this morning is people, they, 
They, and I believe, somebody said, preacher, you saying we ought not take pride in our work? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about pride is lifted up. Let me, let me get in the outline. I'll say, first of all, in this area of humility, I want us to note the enemy of humility. Who or what is the, enem, em, the enemy of humility? Say that 25 times fast. Well, look at verse number 5 in the latter part of the verse. For God resisteth the proud. I've been preaching on already. Pride is the enemy of, be, of humility. The word resisteth here in our verse means to oppose. You can have many people against you and opposing you, and you can get along all right. But if God opposes you, you're in bad shape. One writer said, do all you can to keep God on your side, and one way to do that is to forsake pride. The word picture for oppose, uh, come here, stand up, Brother Caden. Uh, you've been, the word for picture for oppose, it's come walk toward me. The word picture for oppose is this right here. It means to push back. It means not to want. It means not to want to keep away. And here's what happens. God said, when you come at me with your pride, I oppose you. I don't want you around me. Well, wouldn't that be awful? To have God pushing me away, for I had so much pride in my heart, had so much urgency in my spirit, that God opposed me. Notice the Bible says in Proverbs 6, verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to Him. And the first one is a proud look. We like to preach about the abominations of our day, and we ought to, but the first one mentioned in Proverbs is that of pride, a proud look. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Pride equals worldliness. I'm talking about the enemy of humility is pride. I wrote this down. Number one, pride was the first sin. Realize pride was the first sin that was ever committed. Now, immediately you're heading to the Garden of Eden. But that's not where the first sin was committed. See, pride was the first sin committed in eternity. If you was to look, you don't have to turn, I'll read it, but if you was to look in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut off to the ground, which is weakest of nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You know what got Lucifer, the devil, kicked out of heaven? It was P-R-I-D-E, pride. He says I five times. I, I, I. I is the middle letter in pride. I is the middle letter in sin. And for all the woke coaches out there, there's no I, there's no I in team. No, but there's an I in win. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but what I'm saying this morning is pride is in the middle of it all. It was the first sin committed in eternity. But then pride was the first sin committed on earth. Genesis chapter number 3, when that serpent came to Eve in the garden. Yea, hath God said, and in verse number, verse number 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof. You know why Eve partook of the fruit that day? Because she thought God was holding out on her. She thought she deserved more than what she had got. She's living in the Garden of Eden. But pride will do that to you. 
pride will make, make you turn a blind eye to all the good things God has blessed you with, all the good things God has put in your life, all the blessings you have, and it'll make you look over at something else you're not supposed to have, and it'll get you in trouble. Every single time. Pride does that. Pride is the first sin we encounter on the road to revival. I understand the context of this, but the principle is true. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, here's what Solomon said. If my people which are called by my name, what's the first thing he told them to do? Well, humble themselves. He said, God ain't going to do anything in this. It's at the dedication of the temple in that prayer. He said, God's not going to do anything in this temple until we humble ourselves. Pride's the first sin. Number two, pride is the fatal sin. Proverbs 16.18, pride goeth before destruction. Proverbs 23, 29, a man's pride shall bring him low. Proverbs eleven twelve. when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Pride gives the idea, lift yourself up, make yourself better. But in reality, pride tears you down and makes you look cheap. Pride was the first sin. Pride is a fatal sin. But I'm afraid in this day and age we're living in, pride is a forgotten sin. Here's what I mean by that. We think a sin is drinking and drugging and doping and fornicating and adultery and lying and cheating and stealing and killing people. And those are all sins. That's exactly right. But pride is just as much a sin. You know why we don't have much trouble? Uh, you know why we don't hear much preaching on pride? That's an inward sin. Now, I preach on the outward sin. Somebody say, amen. You've heard me preach enough. I believe you ought to. But pride's a sin that nobody can see. It can manifest itself on the outside. But you ever seen them people that are proud that they're not proud? Here's where I'm, my daddy said he's in a church one time and they was having testimony service. This guy stood up and said, Well, I want to thank God for my humility. You know that little sniper's room I was talking about putting in in Sunday school? That had been a perfect time to have one of those, just popping with an air assault rifle. I'm proud of my humility. Or, or you do something for them, and I don't mean false. I, I understand there, there are times when you're really shocked or surprised, but you know, well, you didn't have to do that. Well, if they didn't do that, you'd have got mad at them. Come on now. Pride's a forgotten sin. The enemy of humility is pride. Number two, look on our text. There is the exhortation for humility. Look at verse number five, please. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. This exhortation of humility involves two things. Number one, it involves submission. Verse number five, he said, Yea, all of you be subject to one another. That word submission there gives the idea of coming under the designated authority. Everybody's under somebody's authority. So I said, well, I can't wait. Some of you teenagers say, I can't wait to grow up where I can do what I want to do and be my own person. Don't get married. Come on, fellas, don't leave me hanging. Amen. That's right. You're always going to have somebody telling you what to do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, man. It's always, you're going to get a job. There's going to be somebody telling you what to do. I mean, even the president has a lot of people telling him what to do. <laughs> people behind the scenes pulling strings. Don't get me started there. Hey, man. The pastor I preached for this week, he's just like me except worse. All right? But what I'm saying is this morning is, is that that involves submission. Ephesians 5.21, we always think of submission is just something that the wife is supposed to do. And yes, wives are to submit themselves to their own husband. But the verse before that says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I'm going to tell you, you want to keep unity in a church, you want to keep sin out of a church, you keep a spirit of humility and submission to one another. 
So I said, well, you're just preaching that because you're the pastor and everybody's got to answer to you. No, I'm just the overseer. Everybody answers to God. Somebody said, well, you think you're in charge. No, I'm here to make sure nobody else is in charge. Amen. I'm not a dictator, but I'm the head-tater. Somebody help me. Amen. There's submission. There's authority. If you're going to have humility, it involves submission. But then number two in that verse, it involves service. He said that you be clothed with humility. You be clothed with humility. Now, what is the, what is the word picture there? What does that clothed with humility mean? Well, the word picture here is to a knot or a band. This was a white scarf or apron fastened to servants that would distinguish who was a servant and who was a free man. And I want to be careful, but here's what, here's what they would do. A servant, you've seen it before, you've seen it in a restaurant. What do they have around them? Have an apron. You know when you see that person with that, you know what they are? They're a waiter. They're a servant. Here's what Peter said. All of y'all, he said, yeah, all of y'all, y'all need to have your aprons on. He said, y'all need to be clothed with humility. Well, I'm, I'm so and so and all to be served. You know what? It don't matter how old you are, you're supposed to be a servant. It doesn't matter if you're 5 or 95. Everybody's supposed to be serving. Everybody's supposed to be doing. Well, I've done my part. The only problem is there ain't no place in the Bible that says you've done your part. Peter's an old man in 1 Peter 5. And he's saying that we all need to be clothed with humility. Uh, excuse me, and I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you don't remember the Lord Jesus taking off a towel and girting Himself and washing the disciples' feet? That leads me at least my third point. There is the enemy of humility. There is the exhortation for humility. Oh, by the way, talking about humility being clothed, John Butler said, if humility were clothing, many saints would freeze to death. Pretty good, ain't it? But then notice number three, the example of humility. When first Peter chapter number two and verse number twenty one, here's who is our example. Well, here's what Peter said For even hereunto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. So Christ is our example. So is Christ humble? Did Christ humble himself? I'm asking you a question. Did he? All right. The humility of Jesus Christ. Think about this. It, it had several positive effects. First of all, it pleased the sovereign. Matthew chapter 3, he's being baptized in the muddy waters of the Jordan River. And when he humbled himself under John's authority, that's what he did. When he was told, John said, I have need to be baptized with thee. Jesus said, no, you must baptize me. For Scripture must be fulfilled. When Jesus submitted to John the Baptist's authority, and when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, here's what happened. God rolled back the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son, and whom I'm well pleased. You want to please God in your life? You humble yourself. Humble yourself. Then there, it not only did Jesus' humility please the sovereign, but it profited the saints. Here's where I was getting ahead of myself. John 13. They're up there in the upper room that night. In that Middle Eastern culture, it was common for them to have a servant that would stand at the door. And when people came into their homes, they didn't have Johnston Murphys and Nikes and Reeboks. They didn't have that. They wore sandals. And they didn't have really paved streets. Most of those streets were dirt. So their feet would be dirty. So they'd have a servant that would stand at the door with a basin of water and a towel. And he would wash the feet of 
the guests when they came into the home. Well, it's just Jesus and the twelve disciples up there in the upper room. And apparently none of them preachers thought they had to humble themselves and wash the other one's feet. So here's what Jesus did. He rose from supper, He took a towel, and He washed the disciples' feet. What a sign of humility. And you can't serve? Who do you think you are? Because whoever you think you are, you ain't. If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, one man said, man wrapped up in himself is a very small package. We are good about lifting ourselves up, bragging on ourselves, they ought to do for me, I ought to get this, I deserve this. Hey honey, all you deserve is hell. Help me now. Amen. I'm telling you this morning that humility, the humility of Jesus Christ, He is our example in this. It pleased the sovereign. It profited the saints. Hey, if Jesus Christ can take off a towel and wash the 24 dirty feet of the apostles and Judas Iscariot, who is a devil, if He can do that, then nobody in this church should have a problem with serving. Amen. And I'm not saying anybody does, but I just know how things go. I appreciate Brother Tony helping me cut the grass around here, but I don't mind cutting the grass. I, I appreciate those that help, help after we have fellowships, but I'm not too big to push a mop. I'm not too big to push a broom. And neither are you, Jack. Amen. And that lady, that's not Uncle Si, that's Ron Garris. Ron Garris said, hey, Jack, long before Si Robertson ever did. Amen. But what I'm telling you this morning is Jesus, our example, it pleased the sovereign, it profited the saints. But I'm going to tell you what else Jesus' humility did. It pardoned sinners. Philippians 2, remember in the book of Philippians, we preached through Philippians earlier this year. The Bible said, Let this mind be of you, who, in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbed, but equal of God. Watch what Jesus Christ did. He made Himself of no reputation. And took upon Himself the form of a servant. And, and was made in the likeness of men, and being bound fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How important is humility? Had Jesus not humbled himself, we'd be dead in our trespasses and sins still. Humility is an important thing. How humble are you? Did you know you can't answer that question? Somebody else has to answer that for you. Because in your flesh and in your pride, you'll say, well, I'm pretty humble. No, you, no. That's somebody else to... That's actually for God to judge how humble you are. Y'all still with me? There's the enemy of humility. The exhortation for humility. The example for humility. I'm talking about being humble this morning. You know, you know, some, you know a sign of somebody that's not humble? They get their feelings hurt every 30 seconds. Help me now. I mean, they walk around at church with their feelings on their shoulder daring somebody to say something to them or look at them funny. You know, people like you really get on my nerves. Grow up, hoss. I mean, deal with it. It's just part of life. People don't get mad. You don't get mad at Walmart like that. Well, my daddy does, but I mean, you don't... (laughs) I'm just telling you, you know, I ain't never going back. We don't have that same. We don't have that same standard at the Walmart or the Cracker Barrel or the Chick Fil A. They mess up your order, don't you? You go back again. I wish people had that same grace with the church house. 
Ain't it amazing people that always get hurt? Now, they've never hurt anybody. They're always getting offended, but they've never been the offender. That's what you think. Amen? Humility is important. You want to keep a good spirit in this church? We need some humility. Humility. Be clothed with it. That means you put it on every day. It means when you get up in the morning, you go to your closet and you grab your humility, your spiritual closet, and you take off your pride and you put on your humility and say, you know what, this day ain't about me. I'm living this day for the glory of Jesus Christ. And if I seek to glorify Jesus Christ, then I'm going to help my brother in need. I'm going to help my sister in need. I'm going to try to pray for them. I'm going to try to walk with God. That's what we need to be clothed in is humility. For Jesus Christ humbled Himself. And it profited others. The enemy of humility is pride. The exhortation of humility. The example of humility. And then last of all, I want us to note the exaltation of humility. Look at verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So I said, preacher, you're preaching on humility and you're saying exalt. Well, notice this exaltation involves two things. First of all, it involves God's touch. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. When we humble ourselves, by the way, notice the Bible said, to humble yourself. It didn't say for you to humble your neighbors. Humble your neighbor. It didn't say to humble your husband or your wife. Humble yourself. You better humble yourself because you don't want God to humble you. Hello. God has a way of humbling us that we don't enjoy. James chapter number 4 talks about this. Same sub- James chapter number 4 and verse number Six, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, verse number 10, and he shall lift you up. It involves God's touch. I love that. He said, under the mighty hand of God. Is there a better place to be? Think about that hand this morning. It's a saving hand. It is the hand that saved you that was pierced to a cruel, rugged cross. It's a strong hand. It's a sufficient hand. What a hand! It's a supplying hand. Uh, there might be some people from the meeting watching this morning, and, and, and I won't be vague in this, but I'll tell you how God can supply and how God can meet something through, you, through the hand. Pastor, come up to me on Tuesday night. And said, did you notice? And he, he identified some individuals where they were sitting. I said, I sure did. And he said, uh, he went out the door uh, after service and said, uh, Pastor, I've got $3 to my name. Got $3 to my name. These folks had just got saved, just got baptized, joined the church. The pastors discipled them. Said, Preacher, you got $3 to my name. And, uh, and, he, and Preacher said, well, I'm praying for you this week. And that fellow went out the door, and right in front of the church was a huddle house. How many of y'all know what Huddle House is? It's a knockoff version of the Waffle House. And I ain't never ate there. I don't know if it's any better or not. Uh, take me there and we can find out. Uh, but Huddle House right in front of the church. And that fella and his wife, they, they live uh, not far from the church. They actually were walking the church and uh, walking back and forth. And, and uh, just uh, God saved them out of a life of sin. And they're still trying to get out of that life. And they're growing in the Lord. But uh, they're living in a trailer and in a tent sometimes. And they walked out. And, and they looked out. And he said, I walked by the Huddle House. Now look down in the gravel, there's a $5 bill. 
He said, and I picked it up. He come back into the church and told the preacher that. Well, and he said, he, and the preacher said, I thought he was going to say, praise God, I have three dollars, now I have eight. You know what that man did? Took out five dollars and said, preacher, put that in Brother Josh's offering. Boy, that'll make you feel about that high. But God has a supplying hand. Amen. God can take care of you from the most unexpected places, from the most unexpected people, people you wouldn't think, places you wouldn't expect. God has a supplying hand. Preacher, why do you say that? Because when I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, that's the hand I'm under. It's a hand that loves me. It involves God's touch, but then this involves God's timing, that He may exalt you in due time. And watch the wording of that text. That He may exalt you. We're real good at exalting ourselves. Preachers are real good at exalting themselves. That's why we don't, we don't do preachers naming their ministries after them, lifting up their name. Look at me, look at me, look at me. No, 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 no. That He may exalt you in due time. Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord. Be of good carriage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All those benefits come after you. Wait on the Lord. That word wait there is not the, time, is not the word wait for... Like some of y'all are doing. Is he almost done? A lady done that to my daddy one time preaching. <laughs> she was sitting in the back and hitting her watch like this while daddy's preaching. Making sure it was working. You know what Daddy did? He preached 20 more minutes on top of it. <laughs> if you've done that, I'd do that too. Except I'd just say, hey, your watch ain't broke. I'm still preaching this long. That ain't the kind of, that's not what that word wait means. That word wait is where you get the word for waiter. Where you're clothed with humility. While you're waiting on God to do what you need Him to do, you're serving. You're not sitting around just twiddling your thumbs. We'll wait till Jesus comes. No, we'll work till Jesus comes. Moses waited 40 years on the backside of the desert. Joseph had 13 years before he got to the palace in Egypt. David was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16, didn't take the throne in 2 Samuel 5. That's 15 years he waited. I'll leave you with this this morning. Give God time to work. Give Him time. You know what we do? We rush God. We get ahead of God. We want God to do it on our schedule, on our calendar. You know what we better do? We better humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. You might be praying about something this morning. You might have a need. You're waiting on God to work in your life. God to do something in your life. Wait on the Lord. Humble yourself. Don't... We get... Come on, Brother Matthew. I'm at 30 minutes. I'm done. We get lifted up in pride in our prayer life. God need, God has to answer this request. Don't He know who I am? I'm His child. Yes, He knows that. God has to do this. I'm trying to live for the Lord. I'm trying to be faithful. Well, that's right. But God don't have to do anything. God does anything for us. It's His hand of mercy. His hand of grace. May God put a spirit of humility on our lives. But really, you know what we have to do? We have to humble ourselves. How humble are you this morning? As we stand for prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed. Humility. Humble yourself.